This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We're here. We're going to talk about it. I'll be a little nice about it, though. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show where Joshua House is going to join me, Jake Mendel, to talk about a miserable, miserable, miserable primetime game. And the goal here is to let it all out, cry together, and turn the page. So, Joshua, how long have you been crying? All day. I've been listening to Dashboard Confessional, you know, Death Cat for Cutie, all those emos, all those emo bands just sitting here. Why doesn't she love me? Yeah, I feel like Eeyore just walking around the house with my head down. But uh, I think the best way to sum that up, Jake, was that so Dolphins. But uh, it's Monday and I'm just happy to be here with you. But it's been a very, very dark and gloomy day. How have you been? Yeah, exactly the same. It's starting to snow up here in the Northeast and uh, we're getting cars stuck. We're, you know, snow day watch, all that fun stuff. But Josh, Everyone's miserable, right? Everybody's on Twitter freaking out. Tua isn't him. Tua is him. You have to say this. You have to say that or you're not a fan. Uh, but I think the fact that, God, I don't know how much time you invest, but as someone who writes eight stories a week and podcast three times, and I have to assume you at least do double that, I don't think anyone can take our fan card. So I think we can kind of express ourselves. We can say the negatives. Maybe there are a couple of positives sprinkled in shout out Kristen Wilkins but Josh generally generally speaking man it does feel like the wheels are falling off after the Dolphins offense truly truly struggled against the Los Angeles Chargers in a 17 to 23 oh god that's a horrible journalism thing you always say the higher score first 23 to 17 loss to the Chargers Josh Sunday night uh I kind of like going through your feed Josh because I'm someone who I'll just tweet like that's stupid or what is going on. Like, I'll be really general, but but you had four or five aim tweets that pretty much summed it up. And the fact you had Will Myers crying in the back seat. I mean, we're all Will Myers crying in the back seat today. Yeah, I thought that summed it up perfectly. I was kind of sad. That I, yeah, I only thought about that. It was like two in the morning, maybe one thirty. I was just sitting there. I thought about it. So that tweet probably came out at the wrong time. But uh, Jake, let's be honest. As soon as this game started, the Dolphins came out of the gate three incompletions. And at that point, I mean, you could see the way the Chargers were playing defense. You know, you could see, um, I guess, just how boneheaded, you know, the Miami Dolphins. I mean, we sat there and talked about how they needed to come out and run the ball. And they came out and threw the ball three times to start this game. So, I mean, from that point on, I kind of just felt like, 
oh shit, here we go again. But um, I, I don't know, man. Overall, I just wish that we would have saw more out of this offense and, you know, found ways to attack that Chargers defense because you're written down here at one point, man. Two is three of 17. I mean, 25 yards, I think. And all we talked about was Tua versus Herbert. And, you know, the entire world was watching. Um, That was that was sad. Very poetically put, Josh. I couldn't agree more, but I kind of feel like I, I don't want to use the. I, I'd rather be 100% wrong, Josh, but I kind of feel this goes towards like Mike McDaniel's offense. It's it's so important to get that passing first down to be able to do anything else. And those three incompletions just kind of helped po- prove that point, Josh, where this is a rushing attack where it seems like they need to kind of be, uh, I, I guess, charged up a little bit, right? Um, because there were a couple plays early on too, where they did try to run it with Mostert. Um, and even him, he just looked like he might have, the, the tank was running low. Jeff Wilson, he ended up getting hurt, leaving the game with a hip injury. And even then he left the game on a 20 yard run. Josh, two plays before that, it seemed like both times he was, uh, you know, looking to the sideline, just like putting his fingers so close to together saying like, we're this close, we're this close to breaking away a big run. And we saw that, but it just seemed like there was something missing, Josh. It seemed like Mike McDaniel might've been out there trying to, you know, solve solve a very simple equation with rocket science. It just seemed like there was something missing where, you know, if you were, if the dolphins were to kind of say what they were doing out loud, I think everyone in the entire organization could point out and be that that doesn't seem right. All things considered, this doesn't seem right what's going on, Josh. It was a very unusual game. Let's start with Tyree Kill. Two touchdowns, four receptions on 10 targets. Uh, Josh, which touchdown do you want to start with first? I mean, we have to talk about that crazy fumble Ruski, right? I mean, that was probably one of the most insane plays we've ever seen. I had people, uh, you know, replying to that tweet. This is better than the Miami Miracle. I mean, I don't know what happened no. there. But at that point, I mean, the fact that that was the only way the offense could, you know, find the end zone, I felt absolutely depleted by that but I, I think the part I loved most was just seeing Teron Armstead try to pick up the ball and it was like a perfect flick right into Tyree Kill's hand and just runs around everybody for what was that a 50 yarder I think so uh, that one was definitely you know out there that fumble ruski but then uh, the one on the right side you know he beat coverage I think it was third and five right I mean that was a nice ball from Tua to Tyree Kill it was in man coverage but the defender just fell down so um, there were those big plays we know Tyree Kill is now the Miami Dolphins single season receiving record Mark Clayton's record I think it was on the first catch of the game so I don't know man I, I don't know what we need to see but I just cannot wait till they get back to Miami and we can try to regroup uh, ahead of su- Saturday's matchup against the Bills because that West Coast trip has been absolutely uh, demoralizing for this Miami Dolphins team and I just hope that we can you know find ways to to change this offense and to attack defenses differently because that middle of the field man as soon as you know San Francisco with their linebackers with their safeties uh, the way they covered it Miami had no answer than this week I mean we saw the way I was going to text you man uh, right when Kenneth Murray dropped back he had a uh, deflection a pass breakup and I was going to say man we basically called that on the podcast but I mean they were just taking away the middle of the field tempting to it to try to you know force those outbreaking routes and take some chances to the outside and um, it looked like at times he was just predetermining where he was going with that football. Yeah. And Josh, you mentioned um, just finding a way and, it, and it's weird because I've kind of, I kind of had that same feeling when, when Tyreek scored on that touchdown, obviously you're super excited. One of the most explosive players in the entire league made an incredible play, but you look in the mirror and you say, this, this is what we need to do. This this is the only way we're going to be able to score points. Uh, but Josh, you see kind of the, the, where Miami is and where it wants to go, right? You have Tyreek Hill, like, icing up his foot the entire game. Foot, ankle, name apart on the leg, I don't care. He's icing it up the entire game. He scores two 50-plus-yard touchdowns. Teron Armstead is is battling through name a number of injuries, and, and he's doing it, and he's diving on the ground. He's flailing out that ball to get it to Tyreek Hill. Like, 
those are great players who are finding a way. And I'm not trying to like put down anyone else on this team, but you see what going through the playoffs, you see what is needed to win. These are two guys who have been deep into the playoffs multiple times and you see what the guts it takes. You see those two guys really balling out, Josh. And I think that kind of gave me a little bit of relief, but you mentioned it, you know, the, the Tyree kill touchdown, the, the pass from Tua. It's one thing if, opposing teams are countering what you want to do, you know, taking the middle of the field, but just because you can't do what you want to do, doesn't mean you shouldn't do what the defense wants you to do. Right. Just does that make sense? Like in theory, like you look at what happened on that, on that touchdown run, the, the, the cornerback straight up fell over. It's because he was a third string guy. And if you keep putting him on an Island with Tyree kill, that's, what's going to happen. But if you're letting him be aggressive, you're letting him think and push Tyreek at the line of scrimmage, and then that's all the pass rush needs to get there and and force an incomplete over the middle, Josh. I mean, I think you want to take more chances. And, and even though the defense is baiting you to do something, I mean, they want you to jab them in the face. You, you got to take what's given to you once in a while. And it didn't seem like the Miami Dolphins offense really wanted to do that. Or even if you want to take it a step farther, it didn't seem like there was a way for them to do that, the way the play calls were kind of drawn up. Yeah, and I think that's why you got to, you know, distribute the blame evenly, right? I mean, we can sit here and talk about the defense as we will later in the podcast. I mean, maybe they get a pass this week. I mean, I thought they played solid throughout this game, but the fact that Tua Tungvaluwa maybe wasn't seeing things appropriately, you know, the way they were taking over the middle of the field, I was hoping Mike McDaniel at some point, you know, would try to, you know, change up the game plan or try to attack some of those weaknesses that he was seeing in that Los Angeles Chargers secondary. But dude, it just seemed like the Dolphins offense over these last few weeks have just turned into pumpkins when, you know, the defense on the opposite side is just playing man you know, dropping back and taking away that middle of the field, rotating safeties as we saw um, on Sunday at night. So uh, again, I think we talked about how important this road trip was. We know that, you know, it sucks to go on too, but if they can somehow pull this all back together and, and win that game in Buffalo on Saturday, I mean, we're going to all be sitting here drinking the Kool-Aid, but um, it's going to take a total team effort and they're going to have to rebound because again, man, uh, you mentioned Toronto Armstead. There was a play we talked about Kyle Van Noy before the podcast, so maybe that's why it happened. But, dude, Kyle Van Noy put a spin move, and he got that sack onto it. And, I mean, Teron Armstead, man, fell back like five yards onto his ass, and I was just like, oh, my God. Like, that, that was pretty impressive. But you mentioned how he's just fighting through this, man, the peck, fighting through, doing everything he can. It's Hodor, right? He's carrying this team as much as he can. But uh, we need this offense to definitely bring it back together. We need Mike McDaniel to go back to the drawing board and try to figure out ways to, you know, utilize some of this offense's speed and strengths to attack those opposing defenses. I think what makes this such a crazy thing to talk about on Twitter is because I think there are two things happening right now that can both be very true. Josh, there are people running open on these plays. Um, the the play that was called an intentional grounding um, where someone got beat on the edge and, and was blitzing Tua in the face. They, they showed a replay of that uh, where it was Tyreek. He was lined up in the slot. And there was a cornerback. It was the same cornerback. He pushed him on the line a little bit, and he he was basically stuck. It took him an extra four or five seconds to get to that middle of the field. And Tua, this offense is built. Just throw it to the open space, let Jalen Waddle, let Tyree Kill go get it. And the way he was playing press coverage, it took Tyree Kill another, what, two, three seconds to get to that spot on the field. That was enough time for the ball to get there and no one be around. And all of a sudden, it's intentional grounding. But Josh, there's also on that same play, a post play, where if Tua just yeets it downfield. You're going to have Jalen Waddle versus open field just trying to catch the ball. So I think there are two things happening here, and you can both be right, where you can say McDaniel can make this offense look a lot easier and get Tua some very more obvious looks in the situation where the, the middle of the field's covered. We have someone out in the flat. We have someone coming back. We have someone escaping their man, where it doesn't have to be that 40-yard bomb that is there, but it's tough to see. It isn't the, you know, 
easy single that Tua likes to hit at times. And then it, it's just a very, very awkward situation the Dolphins find themselves in, Josh. But that's what throwing is, right? This is the first time this team has been together. This is the first time they've had to make adjustments. They're just in middle school. They're just figuring out what facial hair is, and they haven't learned how to shave. But, Josh, before I get way too out of here with these stupid metaphors, where is Waddle? Where is Jalen Waddle? Dude, I wish I had an answer for you. I mean, it just seemed like, again, was he locked up that entire game? I mean, he was out there. It seemed there was one play where he came in motion, and he just went right into the edge defender, just got knocked on his butt. He kind of laid there for a while. So um, I admittedly went through, watched the condensed game. I think the All-22 will drop later today. So that's when you really get to see what those routes downfield are doing, what was going on there. But, uh, man, dude, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I think you mentioned it on this West Coast trip. You needed your star receivers, you know, your star playmakers to make those plays. And we didn't see Wild do it last week again. We didn't see it this week. And um, I just don't know what it is. I mean, whether it's the nagging injuries that, you know, he's off and on throughout the year, whether it's, again, the way defenses are game planning, I, I don't know what it is. But um, we need Jalen Waddle to go back to being that superstar receiver. We need him to uh, be that great compliment to Tyree Kill. Three of, I cannot, I still just cannot believe three of 17. And I, I we can, I think we can agree that, I mean, Jalen Waddle, he puts his body on the line for, you know, every single play. He has some uh, knucklehead drops, but he's only in his second year. But Josh, the volume just flat out hasn't been there. Um, even just giving him some easy, easy looks. Where's him getting the, uh, you know, the bubble screens? Like all last year, I mean, all this offense could do is make it look easy for Jalen Waddle to get five yards on any given play. Obviously, he couldn't get any more, but just even a couple plays like that to be the, you know, the Jarek extension of the run game type of thing. So that was a little confusing to me is just where Waddle is, especially as someone who's playing, played with him in, in gauntlet. I mean, depending on where you listen, when you're listening to this, just pray to God, James Conner had a big game. Uh, but Josh, in the second half, I did start to kind of, see the offense slow down and realize like, Hey, like, like this isn't the hardest thing in the world. Like we're beating ourselves. Like they have the perfect setup for the, these routes we're running, but let's just switch a couple things. And, and two things that kind of made me like a little encouraged about moving forward is one that, that Tua started to run the ball a little bit. It was like three games, three plus games since he ran the football was scrambling around and Josh in that second half, I think he converted two first downs with his legs. That's one thing, man, when, when they're only, pushing four and they're kind of taking up the middle of that field, you're going to be able to run right away towards that sideline and cut up field and get a couple yards. It was nice to see him kind of realize like, Hey, you know, sometimes the blitz is going to get to me, but sometimes I can sit here. I can relax. I, I have time to kind of diagnose things and two, getting Cedric Wilson involved, right? You have this big physical guy who can kind of compete in the middle of the field. If, you know, a speedy Tyree Kill, a speedy Jalen Waddle, you mentioned it, is getting knocked on his butt. Put the physical guy in there. And that's another thing. You see him get involved and you realize like, hey, this wasn't the ideal number three signing, but this is a, still a talented player. And I think the Dolphins can find ways to get him involved. Yeah, Jake, I was going to joke, you know, Cedric Wilson finally came off that milk cart. You know, we finally saw him out there catching some balls, becoming part of this offense. I guess my question to you, Jake, is right now everyone on Twitter, you know, we're all chicken little, the sky is falling. Everyone's trying to point the finger. You know, a lot of people are saying Tua is not him now after, you know, two weeks ago. He's him, you know, MVP, this and that. Some are even, you know, jumping down Mike McDaniel's throat. So um, I guess if we had to sit here and, you know, throw the blame around. I mean, yeah, to me, yeah, yeah, for sure. For, to, <laughs> to me, I thought last week for sure, you know, you could sit there and look at that game. Tua was completely off in that game. Uh, that, I mean, I thought Tua was at least putting the ball in places where he could. I just thought that defense was just, you know, knew exactly what to expect. So um, I guess if I had to choose between one of them this week, I might, you know, hope to see more from Mike McDaniel moving forward, hope to see him adjust throughout that game. But again, I think, you know, you can bring the blame to Tua. You can bring the blame to Mike McDaniel and, you know, 
even the rest of those playmakers, Jake, and you just, again, want to see more out of them because for so many weeks, you know, we love sitting here throwing out those statistics. Dolphins are number one in this ranking. You know, Tua Tungvaloa is first in all these rankings. None of that matters, right? None of that matters if you're now eight and five and, you know, you're hanging on by a lifeline. So, um, again, it all depends how they bounce back from this, but, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, Jake, but I know we are both feeling very queasy about Saturday's matchup. Oh yeah, Josh. Oh, it's I've seen this story before. I mean, we've talked about it, and, and there are people saying same old Dolphins, and I'm gonna hold out as long as possible to bite that bullet. Especially considering, man, this is a team that's eight and five. This is a team that's that's very good. Like I, I'm gonna continue to say that. Like I here come the excuses, but this was a, a LA team that had their backs up against the law. If they if they lost, their season was over. I think their chance of making the playoffs jumped by thirty percent. I mean, Miami's shrunk by like 15 which is still huge but but that la team at home in prime time i mean that's what you want right that kind of actually reminds me of that saints game last year where miami looked real ugly but but still came away with the win and, and josh when you look at Tua, you look at the blackjack dealer and how hard this offense has looked i think the biggest disconnect the biggest head scratcher to me i mean trent sherfield caught one of four targets mike Kosicki, oh of two and he hasn't caught a ball in three weeks i just think that the way this team is built you have people who can play well i mean you're focused on Yo, no, we have no River Craycraft, so we're going to call it Freddie Swain. I mean, who? why can't we just get Sherfield three receptions? Why can't we get Kasiki a guaranteed three receptions per game? It's just little things like that where you wonder, are they making things a little more complicated than they have to be? Are we at the point of the season where they've adjusted and we've adjusted and they thought we were going to adjust, so we didn't adjust, and then we readjusted some more, and everything's just too complicated and we just got to cool it a little bit? That's just where my head really kind of stops talking about this offense. Yeah, and again, we talked about all offseason long about how Mike Kosicki, you know, it maybe isn't the prototypical fitness offense. But again, if you we all think very highly of Mike McDaniel, you know, we've seen some of that quote unquote genius find ways to get him the football, right? Fabricate targets to him. I mean, at times it seems like this offense is, you know, only targeting Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, like you mentioned. And there are definitely other guys that, you know, these defenses aren't focused on. So um, again, man, all I want to see is them just bounce back and, you know, prove to us that this isn't the same team. But after two weeks, man, after that West Coast trip, I mean, that's kind of where we're all feeling right now. Um, Jake, you do have written down here. Jeff Wilson got hurt. I don't know what his status is for the next game, but at least to me, I see a clear difference between the way he's running the football right now with Raheem Mostert. You do have written down uh, 11 carries for 37 yards for Mostert. I believe Jeff Wilson had four carries for 26 yards. And then, like yeah. you said, Tua Tungvaloa had those uh, three carries, which again, I, I love seeing Tua, you know, scrambling at times as long as he's going to continue to slide and, you know, protect himself which I don't even know that he really did uh yesterday but to me Jake again you need that run game to click and without Jeff Wilson in the lineup I mean now you're relying on Salvin Ahmed I see he got a carry maybe a Miles Gaskin I mean I I, I want to feel confident in Raheem Mostert but but how are you feeling especially if Jeff Wilson you know for some reason can't play on Saturday I don't want to sound like a hater but is Raheem Mostert losing gas because I mentioned at the top, there were those couple of plays where Jeff Wilson was looking at the sideline and he was like this close, this close. And then he, then he did it right. He had the 20 yard run. Like he showed like, we're right there. Most it seemed like there were a couple of those plays too, where he had one guy to beat or even just had to shuffle around, you know, one lineman engaged with a defender and he just couldn't do it, man. We talk about, you know, this team needs to run the football. Do we have a running back that can do that consistently? Because Mostert had a couple nice games, you know, in the heart of the season there. But man, like this dude's 31 years old. He's dealt with injuries. Uh, can, can we really rely on him to be the guy? I mean, I, I don't think even if we gave him 20 plus carries last night, would, would it be acceptable? Would it have been enough? Or would we still kind of just be waving our arms like, hey, we got to run the ball, even though it's not working? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Jake. And I do think, you know, you look at his age, you look at his injury history. I mean, maybe he's banged up, you know, maybe he's just going through that late season tear that we've seen before from him. But to answer your question, I mean, Jeff Wilson's a free agent, Raheem Mostert's a free agent. I think some of those other guys are free agents. They are absolutely going to, you know, be attacking, whether it's free agency or the draft, be looking for that running back. So um, right now, yeah, my confidence isn't very high in Raheem Mostert, but I think at one point this season, we were all stoked on him in fantasy. And then, uh, the next week they brought in Jeff Wilson. So I hope Jeff Wilson's out there because again, we heard about it before the trade went down. He just brings a different type of mentality, that run game, Jake, I think we talked enough about the offense. Let's head into a break. And when we come back, let's talk about that Miami Dolphins defense that held the chargers to 23 points on Sunday. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I feel like I need to be on Twitter less while watching games because I kind of like to uh, shoot out a couple tweets. I like them to kind of be my thoughts in reality as I as I gear up for these podcasts. But Josh, sometimes it gets so frustrating. I got to ask you, man, did you play the we need to fire Josh Boyer drinking game? Because any time the Chargers got a five-yard completion or a first out after a third and three, I mean, Josh Boyer deserved to be fired. That That's what I kind of picked up on from yesterday. I wish I had because I probably would have felt a lot better. Well, I know, but then I might have been weeping at the end of that game if I drank anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I think we all kind of felt that way. And, you know, the more you think about it, the more you realize, you know, he was pretty much um, you, the Dolphins signed a head coach. And, you know, I think he's kind of forced his hand to keep Josh Boy around. And after what we've seen this season, I mean, I don't know about you, man, but I'm kind of looking forward to when Josh Boyer's. uh I don't want to say fire. Can we say let go? Is that the right? Is that the proper term? So, yeah, I think I can look forward to when Josh Boyer's finally replaced, you know, whether that's I, I don't know who's out there. Vic Fangio. Could that be our pipe? Our pipe dream? I'll throw that out there right now. Maybe they bring Rex Ryan back. Is Rex Ryan even good at coaching football anymore? All jokes aside, man, I, I was definitely wished I would have played that game because I would have been absolutely hammered. And as you're seeing on Twitter, I mean, everyone's pretty much uh, uh, it's fire Josh Boyer day. Yeah, I, I'm kind of actually cut off guard. You went that far, Josh. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pound the table for him staying, but all things considered, I mean, I, I prefer him over this up-and-comer who's had one good season, right? If we're talking Vic Fangio, sure, yeah, sign sign me all the way the hell up. But Josh, generally speaking, I didn't think this was too bad of a performance from the Dolphins' defense. You're facing a Chargers team that has its weapons back on the outside, back against the wall. You have social media quarter. Why why did why is it the second the Dolphins become good? There's people who never have stuck with this team forever, who instantly think they're freaking geniuses and want to lay their entire line about this team and then talk smack about that team to another team. Josh, that, that's the stuff that really killed me, but I, I'm gonna try to reel this back it up. Sorry. Um let's just let's go into that that fourth down play or the third play, down play, Josh. Third goal from the red zone. Uh what was it like a third and 15 even when when the Chargers got it down to the two which set up the uh fourth down Austin Eckler run am I, am I getting that uh situation right yeah that was it and that came right before the half right that was kind of you know at least to me that felt like the turning point I think it was a third and 15 the Dolphins they were playing prevent man I mean we've all played prevent in, in Madden but they were lined up at the goal line right I mean and then they dropped yeah. off a screen behind all that and it was just you know, he had an entire caravan of linemen running down the field, you know, to block for him, got down to the one yard line. Then they went for a fourth down. They 
busted in the end zone. And I kind of felt like that was like the punch in the gut. I said that it kind of felt like someone put a knife in your chest, readjust it and put it back in. If you're rewatching that game, because dude, I don't know what they were thinking, but uh, that I guess is probably much what, you know, has everyone sitting here saying fire. Josh Boyer was especially seeing that call because it reminded you of, was it the Steelers game uh, when the dolphins were apparently tanking where Brian Flores dropped back in to prevent like right before the half yeah. and gave up that huge play. And someone were drawing like tanks with the players and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what it reminded me of. And you just, I just don't get it, man. I get playing prevent, but leaving the middle of the field that wide open and thinking that you can somehow make the tackle before he gets in the end zone. That was just crazy to me. It seemed like for some reason that the Dolphins developed a game plan that was attacking Justin Herbert's strengths, not necessarily what this offense does. But what you see is a defense that is playing deep. It's ready for it to be attacked down the field. But the one gripe about the Chargers all year, Josh, and you don't really have to be a diehard, you know, bolt guy to, to know this, is that Herbert's strengths are attacking down the field, uh, attacking all over the field. And this offense, the Drew Brees offense that is being run there, it's the nickel and diming, it's the short game, it's take the yards, do the math, and, and just get a first down. And as you saw the Dolphins, you know, pull off these blitzes, or even in when they're in coverage, they were playing like they expected Justin Herbert to throw it deep. And time and time again, it was the dink and dunk offense. He completed 39 of 51 attempts, and it wasn't by rocketing it downfield to Mike, Mike Williams 15 times, right? He got Keenan Allen involved. He was just dipping it off and getting the next first down. This wasn't a defense that got absolutely gashed, but it was a defense that seemed to not know how LA has been playing all season, which has been this dink and dunk style, where if you can get in front of one of those, if you be aggressive enough, that is how you get Justin Herbert to shave his head. But instead, the Dolphins were prepared, like, all right, we're going to send guys off the edge where if it's a seven-step drop they're gonna get there and clobber him but the way they continuously moved herbert around the pocket um pulling linemen all over the place you saw Jalen phillips have an awesome game you saw christian wilkins have an awesome game but by the middle of the third quarter you're absolutely gassed and if you don't have any of those um high volume results on the other side maybe a couple sacks maybe a strip sack to help negate some of that i mean it's useless yeah, and they try to pull some plays from that last time when they completely rattled Justin Herbert. I tweeted it out before the game. You know, this is what happened the last time the Dolphins defense went against Herbert. Everyone reminded me, oh, well, the secondary was different, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But that secondary didn't have Javon Holland. You know, that secondary or the pass rush didn't have Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and some of those other pieces. So, you know, it, it is kind of apples to apples. But I thought the way Josh Boyer at least tried to bring pressure, tried to attack Justin Herbert. I like the thought behind it. But, I mean, like you mentioned, man, he was getting the ball out quick. He seemed to know exactly where he was going with the football and having Keenan Allen back in that lineup he was targeted what 14 times it says here uh 92 yards Mike Williams I mean we saw what he did I mean everyone's sitting here bashing Xavier Howard and I understand I mean there was that one play gave up it was a big completion didn't even touch Mike Williams Mike Williams got up got an extra five yards there was another play where Mike Williams uh, early in the game where he just kind of went up and out wrestled Xavier Howard but again this is a guy that's you know had groin injuries I mean maybe that's me making excuses but I saw a Chargers offense that had all their pieces back and I saw Justin Herbert looking like that quarterback that you know so many people have crowned him to be you know early on in his career so um it, the Dolphins tried everything they could it just wasn't enough and I just don't know you know a lot of people said okay well it wasn't the same secondary as the last time they played would have it been different with Byron Jones out there I mean I really don't know if that how much of a difference that would have made because I thought Darth Cater played pretty darn well I think he got called for a hold early in the game but after that I mean he stepped up he was making plays and coverage against you know Mike Williams and Keenan Allen you know he was making stops coming down and stopping those guys short of the sticks so I don't know how much different it would have been with Byron Jones but to me it just seemed like the Dolphins were outmatched right right from the get-go on both sides of the football and there was just no way to come back from 
he the one of his highlight of the game was the fourth fourth and goal stop right yeah uh, there was a receiver out in the flat it might have been a tight end and he just kind of flipped it slipped and fell over and and uh darth cater laid the finishing punch on that one josh this is where it's a bunch of what ifs and how abouts, but I mean, I, I think it would be different. I think it'd be a lot different. I think you see this defensive line be an absolute superpower, but it's just trying to mask so much, right? You're masking the fact you have maybe half a competent linebacker in this group. You're masking the fact you, you know, you're playing with Eric Rowe lacking a hip, um, a rookie free agent safety, you know, a second and third cornerback who are, are, you know, rookies, inexperienced guys. And you wonder how much they have to just window shop or window dress, I should say, to be like, hey, like we're not. So these guys don't get torched. Yes, Darth Cater's had some great games, but I, I'm interested, too, about how much of that is schemed up, how much they're putting him into a situation where he has to make the plays in every other week. Because, Josh, I watched the game. I've watched the film, and I still am nothing compared to these coordinators, these scouts, everyone who gets paid millions upon millions of dollars. I, I don't think it can be just as simple as, well, if we covered the flat more, I think we would have stopped him. I think there's a chess match here. If the Dolphins tried to cover the flat more, all of a sudden something else opens up, and they're scoring a different way. You do see this dink and dunk defense I'd say from the Dolphins that Ben don't break because this is how they have to play safe, and maybe their chance are a little more calculated and maybe they're a little more easy to beat but they don't give up a big play I don't know I'm spitballing here I'm not trying to spin excuses but I have such a hard time thinking that someone had a reply to a tweet and in those 280 characters they solved Miami's issues that just to me doesn't exist no, but you're right, Jake. I mean, if Byron Jones was out there, the Dolphins would absolutely be playing more man defense. You know, they'd be playing more press on those receivers and allowing that pass rush to maybe get there. Maybe they're disrupting those receivers the way that, you know, the Chargers did the Dolphins, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, shame on me for saying that. We talked about some of the bad, I guess, on the defensive side. Let me talk about some of the things I really like. You mentioned Christian Wilkins. Um, he, dude, he's been all over the place since you even brought him up on a rundown. I mean, that guy needs to get a new check ASAP. I think he had a sack at one point where he did the Sean Merriman lights out dance. That was awesome. And then Jalen Phillips, I just have written down, he's so effing good. I mean, that pass, that rough in the passer call was so terrible. Oh I mean, that God. was that was a brutal play. You know, that who knows what that did as far as momentum and change in that game because I believe they were getting ready to pump. But I mean, what Jalen Phillips has done over these last few weeks, I mean, I think I said it when Bradley Chubb got traded here that Jalen Phillips was the best pass rusher on this roster. And you're starting to see him, man. Everything he does, he's always in the backfield making plays. And you also mentioned Eric Rowe. I mean, even he, I thought he played well. He was all over the field. He had a nice sack off a of blitz got to Herbert at once, you know, was making plays in the passing game. So um, those were some of the good I liked from that Dolphins defense. I thought, again, holding them to 23 points, that gave the Dolphins offense, who we've seen running on all cylinders, can put up, you know, 30, 40 points. I think that they kept this offense in this game, and it was just unfortunate that the Dolphins didn't do enough towards the end. I know Jason Sanders hit a 55-yard uh, field goal. That was awesome. And then he even almost got the onside kick, right, Jake? I mean, that was something that, you know, all of our hearts just sunk to their chest because – I mean, if they would have got that, it wouldn't have been that so Dolphins to somehow pull out a win in that game. That would have been insane. Here's the stupidest thing I'm going to ask you all day. Do you think that Miami, would you trade the loss on Sunday to know that Jason Sanders' confidence will be at the highest for the rest of the season? Would you Would you make that trade in, in a complete, like, make-believe world? Let's say, sure, Chargers, you have this win. On the return, we have a kicker that's now a 97 overall in Madden for the rest of these last four games. Is that, is that a trade you'd make? Yeah, let's do it. Do it right now. I'm, I'm down right, for that, man. Yeah, I was shocked when that ball went through. I, I I nearly fainted. I didn't know he had it in him. 
And we're going to say that's what happened. The Dolphins sold their soul. They, they gave up this game just in order to make Jason Sanders be that guy again. And, and all right, Twitter's right. Tua is no longer him. For the rest of the year, Jason Sanders is him, right? I think that's how the Dolphins make the playoffs. We got our kicker back. Tony Sprano is looking down at us with a huge smile on his face. He's the number one Finsider Radio fan this week. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. We we followed his vision, and it's going to bring us to the promised land. But that is it, Joshua. We said we were going to go short, and here we are 40 minutes later with an entire pod. Uh, I know it's hard, but I, I just want to say thank you to everyone out there who's listening. I, it, these aren't the easiest shows to talk about. Obviously, it's better to talk about a win, but I hope we were able to kind of give a different perspective, have a little fun with it, and, and most importantly – Man, there are only 17 games. I Losses suck, but the fact I get to come on here and talk about it with you, Josh, I absolutely love it, especially we get some shout-outs from your kids throughout it. I mean, it's a lot of fun, win or loss, Josh. This is this is an absolute blast, and uh, thank you for joining me on this Monday. Yeah, Jake, you're right, and we do need to sit here and just enjoy every single week because we're, what, four games away from this season? Oh, I shouldn't say that, right? Four games away from the season being over because we're going to the playoffs, baby. Regular season. Regular season. Regular season for sure, yeah. So I'm just thankful that we get to come on here and that people give us the time of day to talk about the team that we love even through these hard times. For Finsider Radio, for the Jake and Josh Show, I encourage you. I don't know if Merrick's doing a Twitter space this week, but um, that should be tonight if it's happening. Uh, check your Twitter feeds. Be part of the community. There are a lot of miserable people out there, but we do our darndest to uh, we're going to enjoy football season. We're going to enjoy the rest of it. And hopefully it's for some Miami Dolphin wins, but we will be back on Wednesday with Merrick as we get ready for Buffalo Bills, a divisional week, a very big week for the Miami Dolphins. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.